It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Glad you're spending some time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, everyone, on such a beautiful, sunny, wonderful day. And with us for this special edition is Marjorie Blumenthal, Senior Policy Researcher at the RAND Corporation. Thanks for being here with us again, Marjorie. My pleasure. Marjorie, it's so great to have you, especially on, on this so important topic. Right. You have an, another very significant report out titled Safe Enough Approaches to Assessing Acceptable Safety for Automated Vehicles. Let's talk first about the, the overview here and what you're focusing on. First of all, I, th- I guess we can make it clear that you're talking about really driverless vehicles, not the, not the, uh, not the safety equipment vehicles. Correct, correct. Okay. Uh, thinking about level four into level five, but yes, driverless vehicles. And our goal was, was to understand different ways of thinking about how you would assess and communicate the, the safety of these vehicles. Yeah, and, and of course, I think at least what I took from your report, which was, of course, excellent, is that you are focused on driverless. Correct. And in some sense, I think I've also said, maybe you should have had that in the title too. Because, because when we talk about AVs, who knows? You pick up the Sunday supplement, you don't even know what you're talking about. And there's a, so much con conflation between what's going on over here, what's going on over there, person in a loop, not in a loop, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I never like level five because it has the word everywhere in there. And I mean, come on. I mean, this is never going to be everywhere. So it's not whatever, but it is driverless. And you do also very much point out in an operational design domain, right? Uh, right? I mean, we need to say that up front because otherwise, if we don't say those things up front, some people, uh, I don't know where they go. Well, Marjorie, in your key findings, you're saying different approaches to assessing AV safety complement each other and there isn't a single best approach. What are some of the approaches that that you looked at and and explain what you're saying here? Sure. For for a lot of people, they would love to have a simple number, for example. Uh, They would love to have a measurement. People are comfortable with what exists for conventional vehicles, which is things like crash statistics. But in the absence of things like that, which we've termed Uh, lagging measures, there are alternatives. You can come up with leading measures and there has been some evolving work in that area. Some of the instances are not 100% satisfactory, but people are doing more research. And beyond measures because of their intrinsic limitations, there are a couple of other things that, that you can do. You can look at how the developer is addressing key processes of different kinds. And you can combine measures and processes to see whether a vehicle is above some kind of threshold, which can be either more quantitative or more qualitative. And we expect that with improvement in these evaluation techniques, we'll end up with a a steady progression 
of better measures, better processes or ways to evaluate process adherence and more meaningful thresholds. And the cycle is going to repeat over time because the whole process, developing the vehicle, the, the qualities of the vehicle and developing our ways to evaluate the vehicle, all of that uh, is evolving together and will continue for the foreseeable future. So, so uh, along those lines, I mean, it, there are so many things, so many points you bring out in this in this report. So many, uh, absolutely, of course, wonderful um, uh, uh, things that it would take us days to, to really go through them because this is a this is a this is the fundamental critical question and it's a critical question not only uh, on the regulatory side on the customer side on the manufacturer side on the liability I mean all I mean this this is the central this is the central question and and, and it, it, of course it also boils down to that it ends up being perception it's not it's not a bunch of facts it's it's how those facts how those things are going to be perceived by the entities up here that end up saying yay or nay or whatever on whichever end of the things that they are so you 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 have to it has to be not only technical but it has to be as i like to say socio sociological on on the other end and and those two things need to come together in some harmony <laughs> right say a little bit about that you, you go through that you do go through it extremely well in in there so can you tell us a little bit more or say a little bit more sure so at the highest level we're talking about approaches both to evaluating and to communicating about safety and one of the things that we dug into was the psychology of people as they process information. I mean, for example, if you think about the, the health domain where there is also safety, you know, we, we talk about food additives as generally recognized as safe. That puts an emphasis on the safe part it doesn't say that there is a definable risk, although there is a definable risk that, that you might suffer from, from ingesting this food. So one of the things we pointed out is that in addition to um, thinking about and communicating about risk, it's important to communicate about benefits as well. And this can be done in different ways, but certainly in terms of talking about the potential for driverless vehicles to improve, saying the positive things as well as talking about the risk of an adverse event is very important. And there is some literature in the safety community that, that makes a comparison between talking about benefits as opposed to talking about, about risks. Um, but we definitely argued for, for both of those. Personally, I think that is extremely important here. I mean, anything, any decision is based on a trade-off between risk and reward. When you get right down fundamentally to it, whether, you know, we get out of bed in the morning, take a step forward, have a cup of coffee, da, 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 you know, and you do point these, some of these things out. And, and of course, you know, I, when I talk, try to talk about this, nowhere near as well as you do it nowhere near you know i really i really try to focus on the fact that that one has to look at the risk and reward 
And in a sense, that's why it's important to look at the driverless piece separately from the other piece. Because the reward of the driver, at least my contention, or at least some people, the reward of the driverless piece is you might have the opportunity with driverless to provide mobility affordably to a whole bunch of folks who don't already have it. It's not that we're going to use them as guinea pigs or anything like that, but until you pull the driver, make that decision, you're stuck. You got to pay the Uber driver and the Uber driver deserves a living wage. Okay. So if their fare isn't going to be that, then you better tip them. Okay. Or her. All right. Whether they're an employee or not employee, as I you know, also pointed out in this thing, you know, I pay for my health insurance at Princeton University. They don't give it to me. You're kidding me. If they didn't give me that. They'd have to pay me more. OK, so whether or not, you know, you force them one way or another, da, 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 one exp- you know, that, that has to be part. The only way I contend that we can ha- even a- approach have the possibility of providing affordable mobility is to be able to pull the driver, is to replace a computer, you know, da, da, D, which because of Moore's laws, cost goes to zero with one of us. Alan, the concept of autonomous vehicles, truly autonomous vehicles, driverless, is often sold to the public and, and probably uh, legislators as well, regulators, sold on the, on the basis that this is, they're not looking at mobility for all. What they're looking at is this is going to be so much safer. The vehicles are paying attention 100% of the time. They're going to be better than we are. Is that a mistake? Well, I, I, I want Marjorie to answer that, but I'll throw in my, my thought of that. I mean, it, the, the thing that I throw in at this is, you know, the 94% or whatever the number that we all quote about, you know, and cry, looking backwards, as you say, looking at the data as to why we, we have those kinds of crashes is because of human error. Bull, it's human, you know, misbehavior. And it should be called misbehavior. Okay? You're speeding, you're drinking. You're sleeping, you're texting, you're whatevering, okay? That's the 94%. And of course, you know, I think we can write code so it doesn't text, so that it doesn't speed, so that it doesn't uh, um, uh, swerve in front of you, so that, in fact, as we're discussing, sees the darn traffic light, light maybe, or whatever, and so on. I think we, so, so in a sense, you know, everybody is a good driver. You know, we'd like to talk about distribution and driving ability. What most people, I think, talk about when they talk about distributions of 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 of, of uh, ability to drive is the amount of misbehavior they're going to do. They say, "Oh, teenagers are terrible. They misbehave. Damn it." So uh, men are, men are no, I don't know. Go ahead. I, I, I want you to know, please. And I, I could be way off. All right. It's just, it's just my stupid way of looking at this. So, so you've right. actually teed up two issues. Yeah. And, and Fred has, as I think, reasonably emphasized the second. But let me, let me not ignore your first one, which yeah. is um, closer to mobility for all, because I'm actually working on a smaller project that addresses that issue with a focus on on older adults. And 
I think that the first step towards mobility for all or serving people who are underserved today is going to come from the economies of scale. And you've talked about one of the economics aspects. But the other set of issues is also going to relate to a factor that a human driver provides that right now the AV models don't yet factor in because they're focusing on the safety issues. And that is how do you help somebody who has an impairment get in and out of the vehicle, especially if that person has assistive gear of some kind. So set that issue aside. I think oh, that okay. is an issue for the future and we should not set it aside as a nation. But the safety- uh, let, 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 let me just, because uh, you, absolutely, we, we need to have another one on that. That in fact, when we're talking about providing mobility with automation of, of an automated driver, the trip inside the vehicle is only part of the trip. Yeah. It's getting to the place where you get in the vehicle and where yeah. you get out of the vehicle and get to where you want to go. Yeah. It's the last uh, 12 inches, I, yeah. you know, people or whatever, you know. And the same thing would go for, for deliveries using, you know, oh, well, delivered, yeah. how does it get to my door? Yeah, no, that, that whole thing is, you know, so I don't know, we're going to be here forever, Marjorie. <laughs> I imagine. Um, go ahead, yeah. Continental had an exhibit at CES two Januarys ago. Yeah. And they used one of those dog-like robots to carry yeah. the package from the automated vehicle to the porch <laughs> and ring the doorbell. So yeah. There yeah. will be answers to that one. But um, the, the point that, that, that yeah. Alan was talking about in terms of, of safety gets at uh, one of the ways that we talked about thresholds for evaluating and communicating about safety. And if I think about the difference between what we were hearing in developing this report and what we heard a couple of years ago with the earlier report is that in, in the earlier time, people talked about comparison to a human driver. And at the 50,000 foot level, everybody wants to compa compare to a human because that's what we know, we, we are humans. But what was very clear now in you know, this year, 2020, is that people, recognize that the average driver is not a good enough comparison for all the reasons that, that Alan mentioned. The average driver doesn't behave well all the time, you know, maybe on average. So you want to have that comparison to the person who is not committing all the misbehaviors that, that Alan listed. And then beyond that, you also want to compare in a given ODD because the challenges that a driver is gonna face you know, in a snowy Boston street, for example, are gonna be different from you know, a sunny Phoenix street. It, it just depends. Right, and, and, and of course, the, the, I always blame the auto manufacturers the way they've sold us the cars before, or up, it's still now, you know, they show us uh, the Land Rover or whatever, climbing the Great Wall. Well, if the ODD includes climbing the Great Wall, well then, okay, damn it, you know, or it shows a Jeep going down some riverbed or in snow that is yo deep without even a little, any red poles sticking up to show you where the edge might be. I mean, come on. I can't do that. Right. Okay. Not even, and I think I'm the best driver in the world, which of course you pointed out that we all, what, never mind, right? We all know that. 
Yeah, so, uh, I mean, b- those are those are so important and they have to be to me. I think they have to be put up on top. It's this ODD. OK, and we're not going to text. We're not going to speed excessively or somebody will figure out what the hell the right speed is. We aren't going to go through stop sign and red lights unless there's nobody coming. Because why do you stop at a red light or a sense? It's because, you know, you got to turn your head and so on, see if anybody's coming. But if you, and all the other things, you know, there's some change, whatever. And we're not going to do the, we're, the thing is not going to misbehave. And misbehave is not used in the literature. Uh, everybody talks about all oh, the poor human frailties and da 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 da. I'm so sorry, whatever. We're misbehaving. So, so that is one reason why, beginning in the earlier report and advancing through this year's research, we explored the concept of roadmanship as an integrated measure of how well does an AV behave in traffic. You know, does it cause a problem, not cause a problem? Does it respond appropriately? Um, can, can, it, can it behave better? And yeah. I think the idea of developing better measures of that, uh, I think would make people more comfortable with what they're seeing. Well, I, I loved your roadsmanship, um, uh, you know, concept in there. And uh, I guess, you know, I'm not as well read in the literature, but, uh, and so, but I, I think it's, I think, again, that's one of the things that needs to be up there on the mantle as, as part of this thing. We, we have to get, we really, we really have to get back to some roadsmanship on the roadways because you know there are a bunch of people out there that are really misbehaving i mean you go and somebody else is going you know 10 miles under the speed limit i mean it's all over the darn place and and the road rage and the the text thing is of course we know that's been out of control it's out of control and you're you're almost hazardous sometimes if you are driving the speed limit Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you are, but, but that's because everybody else is, and, and, and of course, I guess the speed limit's been put in there because everybody sort of knows we're going to game it. We're going to go out. So the, you really can do 65, but they put up 42 because you're going, you want to, you know, all that and, goofy and so gamesmanship. Same, and so the same can on. be said, the same could be said about uh, autonomous vehicles. Would they be hazardous if they are sticking to the letter of the law? Yeah. Well, I think in some situations they have at least caused complaints. Yeah. It, well, back to people thinking about can you use infractions? You know, does somebody violate a traffic rule regardless of whether the person was caught at it? Uh, and and that has been considered a candidate leading measure, but a problematic one because, as Alan's been saying, you know, there are circumstances where you have to cross a line to to avoid an accident or there's nobody around it's the middle of the night and you know maybe it's okay if if you just kept moving yeah well you know i this is what i i say to my students look the the current traffic laws and the current uh, roadsmanship that exists out there is associated with a human driver with human qualities okay it's targeted it it knows that we're gonna cheat a little or i don't know why but it's been built that way 
and and all those things, all those so, so-called sacrosanct things that we've built to somehow get the system so we only kill forty thousand a year as opposed to whatever number we would be, would be killing, which is, you know, we really have done pretty damn well given all the texting and all the drinking and all the stuff that goes on out there. Okay, we're we're really doing pretty damn well. But if it's not going to be a computer that does this, then all of a sudden, you know, you can write code that says thou shalt not speed limit is a limit there's a less than or equal to somewhere in the code you know i mean it's the only way we write code we don't go in there hey human whatever put distributions on it they'll cheat whatever gamesmanship road rage um you know they didn't get out of bed in the right side of the bed today so give them a break uh, you know none of that stuff goes in whenever you're writing a code for this stuff so we need new Traffic laws, you know, NHTSA should be out there instead of putting an asterisk on everything. I, I said, you know, should, we should have a new one that deals with, hey, code writers, not people, not not visual and temporal cortexes. I don't talk to me here. <laughs> I think that when, I think that as the fleet mix changes, you know, for a long time, we're going to have some degree of automation while we have mostly human drivers. Forever. I, I claim, you know, we're never going to get out of that one. I'm trying to deal with the sun here. Sorry. Sure. It just makes you look brighter than usual. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, boy, I need uh, I'm putting it back in there. <laughs> Do I need that? My goodness. Go ahead. Sorry. We're just, but, you know, yeah. as the fleet evolves. I have a feeling that the way that code is written and implemented is also going to evolve. I mean, we Absolutely, talk with people from, from state and local government who also are on the receiving ends of grumbles uh, from local citizens because, in fact, the uh, test vehicles were sticking to the speed limit. And the norm in whatever the area was to, was to go above the speed limit. And so how do you balance those things? And I think that our lived experience and then the political process of how do people respond to this, we're gonna evolve in certain ways and probably depending on the circumstances, the ODD, um, what is actually on the road at a given moment in time in a given place, you'll have a more adaptable approach, but we're not gonna be there for a while. Well, that, that norm about uh, driving over the speed limit, I think, is pretty much everywhere, yes. Marjorie. So we'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, it's a good idea to read their white paper called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under a tab called Insights and News. Great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you probably know, are a smart way to spread risk with your investments and perhaps focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with Marjorie Blumenthal, Senior Policy Researcher at the RAND Corporation, and we're talking about your new report titled Safe Enough, Approaches to Assessing Acceptable Safety for Automated Vehicles. Let's talk a bit more now, if we can, Marjorie, about some of the recommendations that you have in here. What are, what are some of the things at the top of the list? 
So recognizing that on the, the government front, um, there has been some challenge in um, deciding how to move forward, getting agreement uh, and so on. But there are a couple of very simple recommendations that focus on the longstanding government role, federal government role to support research. And earlier in the conversation, we talked about the need to think about what's happening on an ODD basis. The federal government can help to support development um, of more data and better measures that allow for the comparison between good human drivers and driverless vehicles by ODD. The federal government is also uh, best positioned to advance research in leading measures because you don't want to have the best measures locked up uh, with a company, a single company where it's a proprietary asset. You want to have measures that everybody can use so that you have comparability. Um, beyond that, there are ways that um, developers can do more. For example, when we talked about processes, one of, the, um, one of the activities that has become more prominent recently is the development of safety cases on the part of developers. Safety cases are not new. They've been used in other industries for decades, but they've now become a thing in producing AVs. So in general, a safety case has been proprietary to a company. Companies, developers could collaborate on developing some kind of transparent, shareable template for a safety case that again is more consistent across companies. And that is something that, that is going to have to come from the industry itself. Developers. You know, the, I was going to say that the, the idea of having uh, these uh, transparent approaches with, with safety data. Alan, you've been talking about that for so long. Uh, yeah, I, I think, of, co of course, I think, you know, the, the sort of other little thing that I kind of throw in there that I'm not sure that you, you have in there is that is that uh, maybe we need some antitrust laws or something like that. Um, uh, with respect to the industry having to do with with, you know, potential collusion but we should the industry should not be competing on safety the industry should be cooperating on safety and if that requires sharing of whatever information that otherwise might be thought of as antitrust or collusion or whatever uh, you know there there should be some some legal overlay put on that to, to, to permit that so that, you know, one doesn't have to have 50 lawyers in there every time you go meet. I, I don't know. You know, these are private industries. They do have IP. That, that IP deserves to be protected, but they should be competing on, hey, how about giving the cheapest, best mobility safe as with it? Because, again, it's in everybody's interest to be safe and everybody's total disinterest to screw up. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? You know, I mean, go, go. <laughs> so I think between the earlier report, which advocated a common framework for measuring and this report, the there are clearly so many arguments for finding a common ground to share something. And I think there are some indicators that that is happening in the industry. 
there, there is a lot of reason to believe that the, the legal bases exist to, to share more, especially if it's shared in a way that is comparable. And you know, government can help with that, but there also are a lot of consortia in the industry. You know, one of those could help lead the charge. I think there has to be the will to collective action and then the collective action can happen. Um, but definitely we yeah. need to have that comparability and to have some of the sharing. Yeah, and that's really good that, that that's in your report. If, if I could get to maybe my critical question or my number one question. To me, it has to do with responsibility. Who is going to be held, who is going to agree to accept the responsibility when something bad happens, because something bad's going to happen, and it's very nice that you say that it's impossible to be perfectly safe. That the you do a great job, and you know this is an asymptotic thing that that we approach it, um, and I have all your discussions with with uh, Vision Zero, and which is all very excellent. I loved it, um, uh, but if I am going to go out there and provide mobility as a service without a driver in there, I, meaning a corporation, an entity, whoever's doing that, has to make the decision to take the driver out of there. That is a monumental decision. And that, because that decision then says, to me, basically it implies that I, the entity, is going to take responsibility which I also throw in there. Elon has not said that with respect to autopilot or whatever he has out there. And as soon as he does, then maybe we'll listen to him. But that's a whole other thing. You don't have to agree or disagree. I <laughs> just threw that in there. I, I will take it out if, if you, if, if I'm going to, I, I don't have anybody to point to if I do that. I don't have a, hey, somebody, led, NHTSA gave me a list of check boxes. I checked this one, this one, this one. I checked all those. I'm good to go. If something bad happens, I'll blame NHTSA, okay? I don't have that. I have to say, I'm gonna pull that person out there because in fact, that's the only way that I can provide that mobility without pulling, else I would leave the person in there, okay? And to do, how do you do that? How do you how how does an entity reach that decision to pull that? Okay, so I think you've asked two things. Okay, go who's ahead. Interpret. Who's yeah, responsible yeah. and how do I reach the decision? Yeah, yeah. On the who's responsible. Right. Good. At, at the end of the day, it's mostly going to be on the company. Yes, and mostly, if not only. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Right. And, and that is why people are looking a lot at liability. They're deciding that existing liability frameworks are likely to continue to apply just like other legal frameworks have, have evolved with technology. Intellectual property rights is, is a great example. You know, the framework is there. Okay. And I think that is a primary reason why all of the rosy forecasts that, you know, by now or next year, we're going to have roads full of these things. Right. You know, people have, have retreated. They become right. more careful. There's some industry consolidation because people are 
sharing or shedding risk, depending on, on where you are in that consolidation. And all of that says there's going to be more conservative, more care in the combination of measures and processes that get you to that point where you might make the decision. Okay, so, that's one. That, that's the one side. That How do you, what is that? Because they're making, there's the, the, the decision they're making is basically say, look, look, the risk is worth the reward. You know, boom, we're on the other side of that sucker. Okay. Yeah. How do you get to the other? I mean, to me, that's fundamental safety. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's the fundamental. So go. Sorry to so keep interrupting. I think you. At, at the most simple level, inside of the companies, they are combining measurements, their attention to key processes, including proliferating technical standards, um, safety culture, and so on. And they will be using some kind of threshold internally to say that when they add up all that other evidence, it is above some threshold. And then the baby steps will come in specific ODDs um, with further evaluation. I think it will be a gamble every time that it happens. But yeah. we do see announcements now that companies are beginning to pull safety drivers. Right. One, at least one has. Yeah. As far as I know, only one has. Yeah. As far, I, I mean, I keep saying, I'm hoping somebody you know corrects me. As far as I know, only place, only place in the world in which the safety driver has been pulled is Chandler, Phoenix, Waymo, nobody else. Everybody else has safety driver in there, unless they're in some test track. Some, they're not in their ODD. Right. Anybody in an ODD, ODD, in an ODD that's going to provide mo driverless mobility to at least some entity on a on a public road, okay? There might be in some Disneyland, someplace, something. And if we've yeah. had and, them. And we've had are... them on closed courses. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, where and we, you know, we have them on railroads where you can't even go off the track unless you, you know. But in, you know, a real ODD, that's why the, the driverless mobility for people in a situation in which you're using the public infrastructure, the roads that are continuing to be used by humans, which to me is the only case that's of yeah. the interest of because that's the benefits, that's the value side. Otherwise, without anyone, never mind. Only one. You know, nobody else has 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 put the decision makers in the room and they say, hey, we're good to go. It it will happen. I mean, all it takes is one to cross that threshold. No, we got we, we did get one. I know, and, and, and I, I applaud them for it. You know, uh, and I know nothing about the inside how they reached it, what they did. I don't want to know anything about unless they make it public. Okay, but but isn't that the 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 critical safety question? Because they have to say at that point, we're safe enough. Yes, that, that is a decision is, that was made. And then we're all living the experiment. We're living the experiment. Hey, so, life. Such a key phrase, safe enough. I mean, yeah, no, I think yeah, it's right. wonderful. And, and, and it's wonderful to live the experiment. Uh, as I again, as I tell my students, if I knew the future, it wouldn't be worth living. Okay. 
Seriously. I mean, we know I would know the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go 16 and 0, win the Super Bowl and so on and so forth. And Ben's going to be what I would know everything. I would know that whatever you you were going to become the richest lady in the world and all that stuff and so on. You know, it, it wouldn't be worth it, you know, but but the uncertainty of all that, oh, man, that's worth living, isn't it? Isn't that? The joy of life? I don't know. Talk to me here. <laughs> well, so you referred earlier to the, the 40,000 deaths a year. Yeah. And we had a very interesting conversation with one of the people we, we interviewed who talked about the, the political challenge. That if over time, you know, we go from 40,000 to 40 deaths a year, you know, that is a huge improvement. Yeah. And that would be something to celebrate. But the point was made, no politician wants to say, look, we're going to have 40 deaths a year. Yeah. Even right. though the comparison is to 40,000. Yeah. It says something about numeracy. It also says something about psychology. Yeah. And it goes back to what I was saying about other domains where we know that there is some residual level of risk. It just doesn't get discussed to the same degree as what we see and hear with with automobiles because humans have so much experience driving them yeah but but it, but also we i mean we'd love to say the politicians get the heck out of here and whatever you're you know we're going to do this without you and not even listen. although you know they have said that the, the 747 max can go fly again Okay, they they i mean in the end they do realize that in fact you know, some bad things are going to happen, whatever we do. Look at what the heck we've been doing with this pandemic. I mean, the whole business. So, so you know, you, one can have the sort of stump speech, I guess. But in the end, maybe there's some sanity also in the political process that says, look, again, life's a risk. And Mar Marjorie, and, you talk about, uh, actually, mm -hmm. in this report, the need to get involved with the local leaders, the political leaders, because that can open the door into communities. And without community support, this goes nowhere, right? It's a combination of community support, but also public support. You know, there is a lot of attention given to national public opinion surveys. How do you feel about AVs? Would you ride in an AV? And most of the people who respond to those surveys have never seen an AV, let alone been inside of one. So part of what led to that, that recommendation was the recognition that people need exposure. They need some way of understanding what is it that people are talking about with an AV. And we have such a big country that if, even if there was a reasonably brisk growth in the number of deployment experiments in different areas, we would not cover you know, a lot of the population anytime soon. So different mechanisms, even if they're temporary, to let more people see what an AV is like, I think will lead to more realistic expectations and more interest. And it is that scale factor that gets to what what Alan was talking about earlier in terms of the economics of getting more of this capability out to more people. Um, you've, you've got to grow that scale. Well, well, that's that's what we're facing here. So, we're, you know, we're trying to make Trenton, New Jersey, an operational design domain for somebody because they definitely need the mobility, the young, the old, the, the poor, the whatever, definitely need it. And, but 
Nobody's ever seen one there. And you must have the neighborhood support because these things are going to go through neighborhoods. They're yeah. not just going to go through the New Jersey Turnpike. I mean, cut it out, okay? And the people in the neighborhoods have to welcome these things and say, oh, we're not going to, because it's they're, they're so easy to throw a monkey wrench into or a Molotov cocktail or whatever you want to haul into them. So, so, so in yeah. yeah, or jump, just jump in, for, as I say, if I don't want to go on down Cleveland Lane here, I'll send, send Peggy, my dog, out there it will stop i'll get a jack jack it up get cinder blocks put it on cinder blocks and steal its wheels you know i mean it will be trivial nobody will even see me do it you know it, it, it this this tech when we're talking about the driverless when we're talking about providing mobility for people you know in that sector which is what your report is focused on which is so great about your report one has to one has to dis- be at those levels. If one's not at those levels and one doesn't have the, the right perception, the, 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 uh, the welcoming perception, meaning the safe perception at those levels, it's not going to happen. That's right. It is all about public trust it, and all of these elements, getting better measures, doing more with processes, improving the thresholds, absolutely. all of those things yeah, add up to get yeah. that trust. And to communicate about that. well, that's that's why I loved your report. I mean, it 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 is it it's in its depth, its breadth, and 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 so well so well put out there. And just my my congratulations on it. We should point out too that uh, you know NHTSA this week uh, or very recently said it was issuing an advance notice of proposed rulemaking yes. to get public input on ensuring the safety of future self-driving and i mean this is at the end of apparently the end of an administration going into a new one i don't know if, if there's turnover at something like nitsa to, to worry about here but what does this mean so they did release the anprm yesterday uh, i downloaded it I, I need to read it i do uh, too i do too <laughs> yet. Uh, but it it uh nitsa's had a process it started in the previous administration, at least. It, it went through this administration. And there is a lot of sort of rank and file regular activity that, that will continue regardless of administration. But the administration will change some of the attitudes at the top. The, the administrator of, of the agency will change. The secretary of transportation will change. And I think the questions that will exist will relate to you know, how much of the cross-modal approach that was adopted recently by this administration will continue, how the balance of what is voluntary and what is mandated uh, will continue, you know, how are the FMVSS evolving and so on. But a lot of what happened during the past four years reflected the state of the technology, the state of the industry, the state of deployment, and this administration starts at a different point with this young technology compared to the last, the outgoing administration. So we don't know what will happen, but you know, it's obviously gonna be a mix of continuity and change that reflects the circumstances. The fact that this ANPRM refers to principles suggests that there will be some durable value you know, that they're bundling up what they've learned and what they know. 
and there's suggesting um, how to think about good paths forward. And that's much more restrictive or much, sorry, much less restrictive, much more flexible than saying, oh, this is a new set of regulations that we're proposing because that probably would not survive. Well, my, my sort of comments on, on NHTSA have been that it, in the past, uh, they were dealing with crash mitigation. This is, has everything to do with crash avoidance. Yes. There's a difference between mitigation and avoidance, yes. fundamental yes. difference, and, and one should realize. Two, hopefully they won't conflate the vehicle that I own. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm the one that's responsible. I turn it on. I turn it off. I maintain it. I whatever. I bought it. Somebody sold it to me. Now it's my mind to deal with as opposed to something that is providing mobility for me to get in and have a ride. And then when I get out of the elevator, I always use the elevator analogy, I say, <laughs> you know, I'm not the Donald, I don't own it. Okay. So, because you know, <laughs> you know, it's some it's somebody else's. It's somebody else's responsibility to make sure I'm safe. Okay. Not mine. Okay. You haven't put it on me, which is what you've done with this thing that we've had. Those are to me, two fundamentally different things. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really appreciated that you went over here and dealt with this one because very few other people have, or did I miss it? Or I don't know, maybe I'm just not read well enough and did not, but I missed it. Okay. Well, it's, it sounds like one of the topics that uh, we'll be covering, one of many, in the fourth annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit. Uh, still in the planning stages? It looks like a, a series. Yeah, yeah, and as soon as we get off, I'm going to grab Mar Marjorie. I want. I mean, this is this is central to this. And, and luckily, we didn't waste our time on the trolley problem and all that junk, you know, whatever. I mean, this is so much more fundamental than that. OK, we can't do this. We don't there's 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 no, we're not generating any value out of this. The value is the mobility that we provide, maybe to the, uh, all of us who already have more mobility than we can shake a stick at. But but certainly to the folks who who don't who don't have as many options who are just like my goodness their quality of life is pew yeah, yeah I mean that to me anyway. <laughs> well, Marjorie, thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us here. Where is it that uh, people can go to get more information on on your report? If you go to ran.org, the the public website of RAN, um, you can search on safe enough. And you can get safe enough. Catalog. Safe enough, man. I mean, yes. great. It's just wonderful title, really. I mean, for all the things that we talked about, all the reasons we talked about, just the reality of the title in the, in the end, you know? That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for your podcast. You can even get your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please keep staying safe. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank you, Marjorie. <laughs>